You know what's better than a beautiful Sunday morning? Announcement, hot and fresh out of the oven, and they're coming your way. Hey, this Wednesday, uh, we have another jam night. It's a great night for our musicians and vocalists to come. We'll uh, play and sing some worship songs. It's going to be great. You won't want to miss it. That's this Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. February 5th, after the 11 o'clock service on our front deck, we're having another newcomer's lunch. Uh, that's a great opportunity to meet the staff here at the Vineyard. We'll be out there with some uh, refreshments. It'll be good if you have any questions for us. Bring those as well. And did I mention refreshments? Those will be available. <laughs> also, coming up February... <laughs> 11th is our next baptism. Uh, it's a great opportunity to get baptized. We'll do that at Bay of Honda, Calusa side. That one's a little chilly, so you will remember it. Don't miss it. February 11th at 9 a.m. Sorry, 10 a.m. I have to be there at 9. Is it? No, 9 a.m. 9 a.m. 9 a.m. 9 a.m. Say it to yourself. 9 a.m. Okay. February 11th. Baptisms. Also, February 15th is our next family fun night. We'll have the human foosball set up and some of our other favorite bounce houses. Uh, that's a great night to bring kids and fight people too. Uh, that starts at 5.30, goes for a couple hours. You won't want to miss that. See, those were announcements, hot and fresh out of the oven, so hot and fresh, I didn't remember if the baptisms were at nine or 10. They're at nine, I'm positive of that. And anyway, also even better than announcements is church. Let's get ready for it. Woo! Hi, everybody online. Welcome. So glad to have you with us. We're getting ready to hop in here. And uh, we've had a great time of worship already today. And now that you're with us, we'll get to enjoy that all over again. Then we're moving on in our series, The Question Jesus Asked, John chapter 9. Uh, do you believe in the Son of Man? That's what we're going to do today. Uh, so get ready, get a coffee, and because here we go, I'm out of time. Woo! <laughs> Good morning, everyone. We've been laughing. Steve ran out of, Pastor Steve ran out of time last night while he was greeting the online folks too. And it, and it went from woo to whoop. There it is. Whoop. There it is. Very there nice. It is. Very nice. <laughs> did you put a laugh track on the announcements? Well, one of us did. <laughs> I was like, wait, that's not them laughing. <laughs> what, you don't like canned laughter? <laughs> Turn the announcements into a sitcom. <laughs> Stand-up comedy. <laughs> We need the canned laughter during joke time. Oh, no. That's what we do. <laughs> well, we could make that happen. I could, yeah, right? I could put it on your phone, get whatever laughter you want. I could, that'd be great. Yeah. Just make it you know, roaring laughter. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll do that next week. We could have like yeah. a canned groan. Yeah. We could even set it up after worship. <laughs> We're not actually going to do that. Anyways, hello, everybody. It's great to see all your faces and hear your voices. We're looking forward to spending time with you in worship and the word. I'm going to tell you what we'll be attempting to do this morning. In case you didn't know, we start things off with communion. Chaplain Doug is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship. And then Pastor Alice will come up and lead any kids who'd like to join her through a Bible verse. We'll dismiss them to their Sunday school classes. And then we'll have our time in the word with Pastor Steve. We're in Questions Jesus Asked, part three. And it was really good, and I'm looking for you guys digging into that. But before we do, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Papa, we are so glad 
that we can enter into your presence this morning, that we can gather corporately to celebrate and worship you. Papa, we thank you for the ways that you've shown us that you are faithful, that you are moving in our lives this week. And we praise you because we know you'll do it again next week, God. As we settle into your throne room, Papa, help us to set aside our distractions so we can focus fully on your face. Papa, meet our spirit of expectation this morning. Because the one thing we desire is to know you better to be changed, to be more like you, God. So we say yes, and we say thank you. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Almighty and everlasting God, you who rule over all things in heaven and earth, in your great mercy, hear the prayers of your people and grant us your peace all the days of our lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Chaplain Doug. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body, take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup. It was the last night of the Passover celebration. The cups of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus takes the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Gathered with his friends that evening, Jesus gives us a lasting ordinance or remembrance, which we call communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. And as his friends gathered here today, we too can partake of this meal, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. And we want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again, and we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So here on the table are the elements of communion, the bread, the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. The table is open to all who believe. So as we worship this morning and you feel led by the Spirit, please come, partake, remember, and give thanks. Amen? And amen. Thank you, Chaplain Doug. We're going to enter now and do our worship time together, and I'd encourage us all to sing out and to participate as we elevate Jesus in our midst here this morning. We'll see the words show up on the screen, so it'll be really easy to sing along with. You're welcome to sit, but stand if you're able. We speak to the mountains, tell them it's time to move because our God is bigger than. Why would I worry? 
When giants come calling my name My God is so much bigger The troubles I face Why would I hunger For power or riches or fame Oh, my God is so much better Than all of these things And I won't be shaken
Poured out on the feet of 
God, we love you, Lord, and we are so, so thankful for this time of worship in your presence. You're good to us, Lord. And Father, as we're here in your presence, I'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, would you anoint the words that are spoken to us, that are taught to us. Use those words, God, to stir up our hearts towards you. We long to know you more. And Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd be with those working with our children. God, anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them, oh God. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for this time. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. And amen. And hey, Mama, why don't you come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Well, thank you, son. Good morning, everybody. It's a long way down. It's longer up. Good morning. How are you? Good. I like your shirt. You're welcome. It's good to have you all here this morning. So for the past month in Sunday school, you've been learning about the faithfulness and trustworthiness of God. And you've been learning it in the Old Testament, some of the minor prophets. This week, you're going to be in a major prophet called Jeremiah. And you're going to be learning about how even though bad things were happening to the people of Israel, to God's chosen people, and they didn't understand it with their heads, they trusted him with their hearts most of the time. I mean, you know, everybody struggles, right? The Israelites did, and we do. Yeah. So God is always trustworthy. Even when things happen in our lives that we don't understand or that hurt our feelings or we just doesn't make sense, God is always trustworthy. And we can always say hallelujah, right? Even in the hard times. It doesn't mean that they won't come. It just means that God is with us. And sometimes we feel him even closer when things are hard, right? Amen? Okay, you guys going to help me with this Bible verse? Jeremiah thirty one thirty three. Jeremiah thirty one thirty three. This is the covenant. This is the covenant. I will make I will make with the people of Israel. After that time. After that declares the Lord. Declares the Lord. Good job. I will put my law. I will put my law in their minds. In their minds. God. I'll be their God. And way over there. And they will be my people. And they will be my people. Excellent. Good job, y'all. So proud of the you. The children are getting stickers because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And yes. while that's happening, can you all do me, uh, can you help me do something? We want to sing happy birthday to Tammy. Miss she was Tammy. in the back last time Stand I checked. Stand up it's there. Birthday, so. Happy birthday, honey. Yeah, all right, I see her. All right, so are you ready? Here we go. Here we go. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Good job, Nathan. All right, Pastor Alice is going to pray for you. Okay, let's let's pray like Pastor Georgina taught us. Pastor Georgina taught me this too. Bow your heads and close your eyes. And Papa, we thank you for this day, for all that you're doing through the kids that are here and the kids that are watching online. Papa, keep them safe. 
and let them have an awesome week and an awesome time at Sunday school. All the children of God said, okay, you're off. Good job. Thank you for your help. Have fun. So uh, the passage for the kids today was out of Jeremiah. I got to confess, what happens whenever I see Jeremiah, I get a song triggered in my head that demonstrates my, hit, my age. And if you, some of you are with me right now, Jeremiah was a bullfrog, was a good friend of mine. Okay. I Help won't continue. Me, Jesus. On. We need Pastor Georgina back to yes, set this. We that miss wasn't you. in the that yeah. song wasn't in the Sunday school lesson in case you're worried. It's still in my head though. You <laughs> can feel it, right? It's it's cute song. Never understood. Don't really understand the song. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Okay. Move along. Moving, Moving along. Moving along. <laughs> miss you, Pastor Georgina. Yes, we do. We were just laughing about age stuff. So um Yesterday, I, I'm sharing this with you in case I, I look a little stiff up here. Yesterday, so yesterday morning I get up, everything's good, and I, I go and do my walk run time and my bicycle run time, bicycle ride time and exercise and stretch, all those things, no issues. And I go to Winn-Dixie after all that's over just to pop in to get uh, a couple of 12 packs of uh, soda water, seltzer. And uh, I, I pick up one, no issues, and I bend down to put it in the cart, and all of a sudden, cleep, right there in my back. And loud, loud, I went, are you serious? Body? Really? Now? It was a 12-pack. It was nothing. Of seltzer, can we say. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, so anyway, back issue. So keep praying for Pastor Georgina because she's got a much more severe back issue. And uh, she's been seeing the doctors and they're working towards getting that straightened out. So just be praying for her and we miss you, Georgina. And uh, we're praying, praying, praying. Very, very much. Okay, so uh, let's see. That Connect card is for, if you're a first-time guest or visitor, thank you for hanging out with us. We love that you're here. If you point your smart device at that with a camera on, you'll get a link to our digital Connect card. Name, phone number, email address. We'd love to have that info. We'll send you texts and emails for the next four or five weeks all about the church and asking you a few questions. And then that keeps you on our list for things that are coming up. Also, we have uh, gifts for first-time guests back at guest services. And I say that with a lot of, because I say it wrong all the time. But anyway, if you didn't get one on the way in, stop by on your way out, pick up your nice welcome gift. Now, every time we gather corporately, uh, we always pray for our neighbors, right, at this spot. I want to do this, and we do this to reinforce something that I've asked you to do, which should be sort of your daily ministry. Pray for the people that live around you. It's such an impactful, powerful ministry, and you need to take it on. We're, we're planted where we are. God has put us there, and one of the things that we should be doing is praying for all those people around us. So get a couple of them in your mind's eye, if you would, and let's go to the Lord. Papa, we come and we lift up our neighbors to you. We ask God that you would move in their lives in mighty, mighty ways, that you would draw those who don't know you into relationship with you, and help us, God, to be good neighbors and to love our neighbors well. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Keep it up. It makes a huge, huge difference.
difference. So we're continuing on in our series called The Questions Jesus Asked. This will be our third part. Today we're going to be in uh, John chapter 9, and we're going to look at the question, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Great question. I'm looking forward to uh, hanging out with you in that. Um, but let's do the bad jokes, and then we can do the scripture reading. And oh. yeah, These are very bad, sorry, but... It's if someone only believes one-eighth of the Bible, does that make them an atheist? Yes, well, yes, it does. Okay, that got a good laugh. The next one is worse. Next week, next week we're going to be in a question in John 13, and it's about being a servant. And, and actually, we're going to tie in the story of, of David and Goliath. It's a very cool story. I'm looking forward to it. But uh, this joke works with that. Why didn't anyone want to fight Goliath? It seemed like a giant ordeal. Right? Um, is he wrong? Yeah. This one is worse. Oh, this is so, so But bad. I liked it when I read it. And so last week I did these definitions and they didn't work. But I thought they were funny. I got one last one and then we won't do that anymore. This is the definition of yawn. Yawn is an honest opinion openly expressed. Yeah, which is kind of mean. But, but, but you should see how many I see. And just mentioning yawns right now, how many of you want to yawn? I want to yawn. And I just me talking about it. It's like <laughs> so suggestive. Okay, I'm done. Would you pray for us and then lead us in the yes, reading of the I word? Yes, I would. All we'll right. In. Let's take a beat. Refocus our, our eyes and our ears and our heart on God. And we'll pray. And then we'll read the word together. Lord, you are so, so good to us. And we are grateful. Father, no matter where any of us are at in our walk today, you are with us. And Father, even in things we don't understand, you are with us. And you are always trustworthy and true. We thank you for your spirit that dwells within us, that encourages us and empowers us. We thank you for the strength that it gives us to move forward. Bless everybody here in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? The text today is out of the Gospel of John, as Steve said. This is chapter 9, verses 35 through 41. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir, the man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. And then the man said, Lord... I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are you blind too? Are we blind too? And Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Y'all can be seated. All right. Well, good morning again. It's a great question that we're going to look at today. But uh, as we set up, so in the Gospels, four Gospels, Jesus asks over 300 questions. 
It's a teaching tool, much like teaching in parables. And they're designed, they're, most of them are open-ended questions, a lot of them, to draw you in, in your relationship with God as you press in to find out what's going on as you press into the Word. And I just think they're very helpful in, uh, in that whole getting closer and walking with God situation. And so one of the things I've asked you to do, if it's possible, is as we go through this series, it's about 20 weeks long, uh, I would have you read about four or five chapters of the Gospels every week and look for questions. And so if you want to start doing that, if you've been doing that, this week it's John chapter 14 through John chapter 17. Look for questions. There should be six or seven questions that are in there. And when you see a question, stop highlight it, make a note of it, write it in a journal, do something, and then um, hang out with it over the course of the week. What does it mean? What's going on? What's the story? What's happening? And as you press into that, I think more and more things will open up in the Word. And in this series, and what I'm doing is picking some of those questions. We're not going to do all 300. Uh, got about 20. Is I'm picking a question, and I'm doing just that, and, and hoping that you see what it looks like, and you'll do that with some of the other questions throughout the week. So this week, it's do you believe... In the Son of Man. And it's a powerful question. Uh, it, it will take you into all sorts of scripture if you let it. And I, I want to look at what's going on, the context of the story, and then we'll kind of follow up from there. So, in John 9.35, Jesus heard they had thrown him out. And when they found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? So let's get some context. Um, who Jesus is talking about and with there is the man born blind, uh, is how he's known in the, in the scripture. And, and that's how John chapter 9 starts out. It starts out with a story of this man who's blind from birth. And the disciples, when they see him, ask Jesus this question that's kind of funny, I think. They, they ask Jesus, okay, this guy who's blind from birth, uh, who sinned to cause that? Was it him? Uh, or was it his parents? Did his parents sin? And Jesus corrects that and says, no, it's, that's not how it works at all. And, and he'll press in and heal this guy so that he can see. But he's having to all the time uh, deal with beliefs that are there that aren't quite right. And at that point in time, the, the religious community uh, of the day, they believed that if there was issues in your life, it was because of sin. And, and so some, and this was an interesting case for them because it was someone who had been blind from birth. And they're like, okay, we're not sure how it connects. And Jesus says, that's not it. And he's constantly teaching them the reality that we live in a, you know, in a fallen world. A planet's broken. You know, we have a very real enemy who's introduced sin and the consequences of that. Uh, and all those things are going on. And so they're having to sort of learn as they go. But Jesus uses that as a teaching point. And by the end of the chapter, it's fascinating that the whole story has reversed because it's no longer um, that the physical condition of blindness is a result of sin. Now he's going to deal with a different issue, and that's what he's talking about there with the Pharisees at the end uh, in, in verse 41. Uh, and when he says, you know, you, because you can say, because you say we can see your guilt remains. And, and so the big issue in this chapter is spiritual blindness. That's what he's talking about. The physical blindness was is what it was, but he healed that. But the bigger picture is uh, that he's trying to deal with is spiritual blindness. And spiritual blindness is is uh, it's it's knowing the truth uh, and and you know or or not and refusing to see the truth that's right in front of you, or or in the case of the Pharisees, it's it's seeing that it's true and still refusing to accept it as truth. That's spiritual blindness, not seeing the truth that's right in front of you. Now, 
this, this healing of the blind is very important because it ties into the, the understanding of what Messiah was going to do when he, when he came. Isaiah 35, 3 through 5. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Salvation is a big part. Uh, then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. So at this point in history, we know this in, in the first century Israel, in this temple period, they were waiting for Messiah. They believed that the, it was the right time, that, and the Old Testament kind of lays out what it's supposed to happen, and so they were looking. And one of the things, the things that they know, because they knew the scriptures, the religious leaders of the day, is that when Messiah came, the blind would begin to have their sight restored, and the deaf would begin to hear. And Jesus is doing a lot of that type of miracle. A lot of those healings are going on. But the Pharisees refused to see it. And instead, they look for things to argue it or justify it or not look at it away. And in this case, it's because the healing takes place on a Sabbath. And so rather than rejoicing in the healing, this guy's been healed. This is a big deal, right? Huge. Rather than rejoice, all they can do is care about the fact that it happened on a Sabbath. And they, they want to go out and, and get it stopped. And so they can see what's going on. But because they don't like the package that Jesus comes in, they dismiss him. And, and see, what the, the thing is that Jesus doesn't fit into their box. They have a very rigid box filled with rules and laws and what people are okay and what people aren't. And they don't hang out with people that they think are outside and they don't care and they don't want, they don't care if they ever know about God or anything. They've got their own little tiny world and there's really no room for anybody else to get in. And so in this box that they've made for God, that the picture, the passage, the picture of Jesus, the way he presents himself, doesn't work for them. And so rather than open their eyes and see, they choose to remain spiritually blind and dismiss all that he's doing. And so we have to be careful of spiritual blindness too because we have a tendency to make our own box for God to dwell in. And we do, we do it. And we miss stuff all the time because it doesn't fit into our box. But you know, the, the thing to think about this, if, if God could fit into your box, would he really be the kind of God that you want to serve anyway? Because who's serving who when you got God in a box? You expect God to serve you instead of the other way around. So these are all the issues, and that's what's coming up, and that's where this question fits when Jesus asks, uh, you know, do you believe in the Son of Man? And Jesus says that he is the Son of Man. Interesting title uh, and, and way to be known. If you have time this week, you might want to do a little Google search on Son of Man in the New Testament. And you'll find that uh, Jesus uses that term describing himself over 80 times throughout the New Testament. And, and so it's a, it's a term of deity. It's describing himself as Messiah and what he's coming to do. Uh, Jesus heard they had thrown him out. This is the blind guy, uh, the religious leaders. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. This is a whole blindness, spiritual blindness thing. This is really cool. And how cool was it to Jesus to say, because this guy had been blind, and like, oh, well, you can see me now, right? All right, very cool. He is the one speaking with you. And so he identifies himself here as the Son of Man, but in other, about 80 other times in the New Testament, Jesus says he's the Son of Man. Now, you, you, it's a term of deity, 
But it might be confusing because we, I think, most often will refer to Jesus as the Son of God. You've heard of that as well, right? Son of God, Son of Man. How does that work together? Because he's both Son of God and Son of Man. And this speaks to the fact that, that Jesus is fully God and fully man uh, when he arrives on the scene. And uh, for me, one of the best places to really see that uh, happening is back in something we did a few weeks ago in John chapter 1. Remember I said in John chapter 1, those first 18 verses, you could actually spend, I think, the rest of your life just hanging out in there, and there's more stuff going on in there than, than you can even get a hold of. But in John 1, 1, it's, uh, Jesus is introduced, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's Jesus, Son of God, as he's introduced. That's that term of deity, a messianic term. And then when we get down to verse 14, it says the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And there we have him as son of man. So he's both son of God and son of man. And, and we need to be aware of that as we read it. But when you, we hear the question, do you believe in the son of man? It's do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the one who's promised to come, the one who's doing things. And, and that's something that all of us need to get in this life, that we get that he is indeed Jesus, the one who's come to make a way for us back to life. And so we have Jesus in that picture as the Son of Men. Now, there's this other encounter that I want to share. Uh, and it, it has to do with Jesus as Son of Man, introducing that way, and another sort of case of spiritual blindness with one of the Pharisees. This is Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, um, he knows something's going on, so he's going to approach Jesus, even though it's at night. But he wants to know. And so I love this, that even though he can't see it all right now, he's still got some spiritual blindness going on, he's pressing in so he can find out the answers. That's what you need to do. If, if, when, even when you're reading the Scripture, if it's not making sense, press in and ask questions so that you can begin to see what's happening. And that's what he does. Uh, and so he approaches Jesus in John chapter 3, this is one of the most uh, famous chapters in the Bible. The most famous verse is probably in there, John 3.16. Uh, and, and most of you know that, you know, what's going on with the offer of salvation there. But beginning in verse 1, and if you don't know, it's for God's soul of the world. Right? You forget that. Okay. There was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night. He didn't want anybody else to know. but that's he. And he said, uh, Rabbi, we know. And so he's sort of speaking on behalf. They get. The Pharisees knew that something was going on. That you're a teacher. So they, they, they're not going to jump on the Messiah bandwagon just yet. But we know you're a teacher who's come from God. For no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. So they've seen these things that demonstrate who Jesus is. And Jesus replies, very truly I tell you. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. So you, you, uh, until you um, come to understand who Jesus is and what he's doing, the, the, it just, it's hard to see. And he's painting that picture that, that Nicodemus is still spiritually blind, but he's moving in the right direction to find out what's going on. But the question, uh, the statement Jesus makes there is, you, you can figure that out too. It would be hard for you if you didn't know what was going on. He's like born again. What, what does that mean? A second birth? I don't. And he, Nicodemus said, "What are you talking about? How can any? Can we go back into a womb and come back out?" And and uh, he has all these questions, and he's trying to figure out this whole picture of, of what he's asking with all the follow up questions. Is well, how does salvation work? 
And because and he doesn't know. And Messiah is one who came to save. That's a big part of what he does. Not only those signs, but we also remember that. Jesus came to save. He can save and heal. Those were lost. All those things. So uh, he's asking that question. And Jesus' response is interesting. He says, verse 12, I have spoken to you of earthly things and you don't believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. Here we go. The Son of Man. It's making himself known. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That everyone who believes in him may have eternal life in him. What a what a fascinating story. And I will tell you that when I first read that many, many years ago, and, and for a very long time reading it, it just never made any sense to me. Why, what is, why would Jesus, it looks like Jesus is comparing himself to a snake and that just didn't compute. And how is that even possible? And, and why would he have that in the story? So, you know, um, I would say you, for years, I would look at things like that and just skip over them and go, whatever, and move on to a story that maybe I understood a little better. Like chapter four is coming up. There's a woman at the well. I kind of relate to <laughs> her mess is a little easier to deal with. But, um, here we have this picture, and we, he's talking, and Jesus is obviously talking about himself and his own crucifixion, and so he's building up to try and answer that question that Nicodemus has about salvation. And what he uses is a story that will be very familiar to Nicodemus. And, and that's because Jesus is cool that way, right? And this story is out of Numbers 21, 4 through 9. They traveled from Mount Or along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom, but the people grew impatient on the way. And they spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread, there's no water, and we detest this miserable food. So it's it's kind of, we can look back and read the journey of the people that God has rescued out of 400 plus years of slavery. And one of the things you find out is they complain a lot. Like all the time. And, and the, the issue is, it's a God in a box issue. Um, they've, God has rescued them. They don't really know God when they rest, when He rescues them. They've been in Egypt for over 400 years and they've been sort of under the influence of Egypt and all their false gods. And God comes in and delivers them in this mighty way. And then they're in a desert. And they have to trust God for everything. And, and he's teaching them to trust. They have to trust God for food and for water and just about everything. And over time, they don't like that. They, they really would like to be able to control God. That was the whole golden calf thing. Give us a God that we can control. We need to put one in a box because we don't like this, that we're having to trust him and be dependent on him. And so they're complaining because they're wondering again. And really, there's no bread. And they say, why'd you bring us up out of Egypt? It's like... We would rather be back in Egypt right now. Remember last week when the, we looked at do you want to get well? And I said that a lot of times we'll settle for something that's bad because it's familiar rather than moving towards the good because we have to learn to trust and it's different. Well, that's what, and they actually would say, well, we'd rather be in slavery. At one point they say there's no salt here. Can you imagine? Uh, let us go back to the horrific bondage we were under for hundreds of years because there's no salt. They wouldn't want to live today, although we do have salt substitute, I guess, but <laughs> there's no bread, they say. Do you remember reading the stories about manna? And it looks like it was really good, except why, why didn't they like manna? Because you couldn't control God, because they could only collect enough manna for that time. If they got two days worth of manna, it would go bad, unless it was the Sabbath, and we'd get maggots in it. They didn't like that. Oh, he's always doing these things, right? Because anybody here like to have extra and abundant? <laughs> 
Some of you do, right? And so it was this control issue. No water. He made water pour out of rocks for them whenever they were thirsty. Uh, and uh, so just complain, complain. And the story goes, the Lord sent venomous snakes among them, and they bit the people, and many Israelites died. And the people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole, and anyone who is bitten can look at at it and live. Notice it's not a preventative. The snakes don't go away because of this. But if you're bitten and the, by the snake, you can look at the pole and you will live. You can, you can look and, and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. And then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Now, how in the world does that have to do with salvation? And why is Jesus saying that to Nicodemus, who's struggling a little bit with spiritual blindness and can't see what's happening? Well, here, here's what's cool about this whole story. So, Jesus is, is in this story. He's pointing Nicodemus at this story to indicate the type of salvation that he provides and how it works. And he's saying it works in a similar fashion to the bronze serpent that was lifted up to save the Israelites. So uh, just like the Israelites were bitten and, and poisoned and they could look at the serpent and be saved, our serpent was the original serpent back in the fall, in the garden. And the poison of the fall has afflicted us all. We've all been bitten by that snake. And now, this verse that is also kind of confusing in 2 Corinthians 5.21, yet one of our favorites, says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You've got to look at that and see what's going on. Because Jesus was sinless, he who had no sin. Jesus is the only one who lived that perfect sinless life. But God, it says there, caused him or made him to be sin for us. So uh, at this amazing moment in the perfect time in history, Jesus, who was sinless, he actually becomes sin. And that sin is lifted up on the pole, the cross. And as we look to him on the pole, we're saved from the poison of the fall. See, that's the connection that he's making. And it's amazing to me, too, is that Jesus actually uses death to defeat the power of sin. Because he becomes sin, he dies, and when he dies, he takes that sin down with him and defeats the power of sin forever. And then when he rises again on the third day, he defeats the power of death, and he makes a way for us to be reconciled to God. That's the story of what's going on. That's why you need to believe in the Son of Man. Who is the Son of Man? It's Jesus who came, fully God, fully man, lived the perfect life we couldn't, willingly went to the cross on our behalf, where he took on sin, paid for it all, shed his blood, died, took sin down with him, defeated the power of sin forever, and then rose again, defeated the power of death, and all that we need to do is believe on him as Lord and Savior, and we're reconciled to God forever. It's a whole picture of restoration and rescue and salvation. Here's my my favorite way. Well, let me read this. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Who is the Son of Man? He's the one you need to know so that you may have eternal life in Him. Here's this last picture and then we'll close. And this is one of my favorites. Maybe you've heard me tell it before, but I like it. So you'll hear it again. They're on Calvary. What, What the picture is that you need to see is that God makes Jesus to become sin and He puts sin on the tree. 
This is a reversal of what happens in Genesis 3 at the fall when Eve and Adam reach up and take sin off the tree and the poison goes everywhere and affects all of us. When God does what he does with Jesus there on the cross, sin is put back on the tree and and we are once again restored into the kind of relationship that we had with God before the fall. Do you believe in the Son of Man? If not, you need to because that's where life is and that's where you find life. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he? He's the one who came to set you free. He's the one that we read about. He's the one who's all these questions that he's asking are to draw you in to a closer relationship with him so that you can have life forever. Amen? Ministry team is here when you head over the wall. And with that sort of hanging in the air, let me ask. Listen, life starts. Real life starts. When you come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's the whole thing about what it means to be born again or or spiritually born, whatever wording you like, is that that you need to do that. Until that, we're lost. We're, We're done. We're on the wrong side of the whole journey. But when we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, that's when we're saved, when we come to have life forever. And the whole story was laid out for you today on the lengths that God went to in order for you to be reconciled to him. All of us. We're afflicted by the poison of the fall, and it separated us from God. So God himself came, fully God, fully man, and did what he did on the cross and defeated sin and death so that we can have life. All you got to say is yes to life. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? And everything starts there. And so if you've never done it, today is the perfect day for you. It's why you're here. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? That changes everything. Amen. Our team's over there to pray for you if you want that. You might be a preacher. Yeah. If I keep going, maybe another 10 years, I'll get it. Um, Then you're preaching about the image of this bronze snake and Moses. And this spring, well, no, this fall, Steve and I had the privilege of going to visit some dear friends, Amy and Terry Jackson, in uh, Arizona. And they took us to this chapel that's built right in the mountains of Sedona. And it's a Catholic chapel, and it's very small, um, and it's people go there all the time. But we went in and sat down, and there's a crucifix, and a crucifix is Jesus on the cross. A cross is more Protestant than than a crucifix, but I just lost it because it's a crucifix, and but it's an apple tree, and there's apples on it, and I was just oh, the imagery was so powerful, and God, you know, God wastes nothing. No stories are in there by accident, and none of your stories are by accident either. It's that same connection. We talked about it there, where where he becomes sin, and he's put back on the tree to make everything right. So cool. Yeah. Good. Good word. I'm feeling something inside of me, too. Um, You know, the the blind man comes to Jesus, or Jesus actually goes and finds him, and um, Jesus says, you know, it's me, I'm standing in front of you. But if you look at it, the message says it differently. It says that Jesus looks at him and says, don't you recognize my voice? And when Alice said that just then, I thought, you know what, there's some of you in this room that are feeling something in your heart right now. it's, It's something stirring. There's this pull, there's this something that's happening and you don't know what it is. You, you don't know how to take what's happening inside of you right now. I want you to know that Jesus is saying, don't you recognize my voice? 
you need to go and, and talk to someone and have them pray with you. Because you today, I believe today is your appointed day, the day of your salvation. Don't you recognize his voice? Man, good boy. Billy, you might be a preacher too. Yeah, yeah. All, all y'all over time. Yeah, yeah, all y'all. Well, um, let's do the thank you part here. And uh, yes, thank you for your generosity, guys. What a joy it is to partner with you. Thank you for your faithfulness to giving, offering, tithing. Bless you for all of those things. And uh, we're going to sing the doxology and we'll dismiss. There it is. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Prayer will be over there if you need it. We'll get these doors open for you. Tyler, would you open those doors for me? Sorry, Troy, pardon me. Uh, And uh, you can head out that way. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your day. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye. Thanks for watching online. We love you guys and hope you have a great uh, day as well. And be blessed wherever you are. Next week, John 13. Do you believe? uh, No. Do you understand what I've done for you? Too many questions in my head. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a great message. Today was awesome. We hope you all have a good day. We have lunch in the Crock-Pot at home because this is the Crock-Pot shot. Crock-Pot shot. That's right. What is it? Beef stew. Beef stew. Yes. If it was really my dad's recipe, we would have had... Suet. Suet. I don't even know what suet is. We didn't have suet, so... She asked me to pick some up. Suet. So, what do you do? Yeah. Aren't you glad you stayed for this? I know what suet is now because I Googled it, but still. (laughs) Bye, everybody.